0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.
1: Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Thursday, May 25th. Some child care centers in the county have reported unsafe lead levels in drinking water. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Outreach efforts are in the works to get District 4 residents to vote in the special election to fill the county supervisor seat vacated by Nathan Fletcher. The Registrar voters earlier this week presented the Board of Supervisors with her plan to get the word out about the August 15th special election. During the meeting, some residents urged supervisors to support strong public outreach in the racially and culturally diverse district. Officials say outreach efforts are especially important in a special election when turnout is likely to be low. If no candidate receives a majority vote in the August election, the county will hold a special general election on November 7th. The County Board of Supervisors this week also agreed on investing more than $7 million in programs that would route people who commit low-level crimes into services rather than jail. The funding would address behavioral health issues, homelessness, and other social concerns that lead to crime. The plan is a result of a study that looked at who ends up in county jails, why, and the best approaches to keep them from returning. The director of San Diego's Homelessness Strategies and Solutions Department, Habsa Keika has been selected to be Governor Gavin Newsom's senior advisor on homelessness. During her time with the city, she launched homeless outreach programs and created more than 500 beds for the unhoused. Keika will help Newsom enact his strategies to fight homelessness. The governor's goal is to decrease homelessness in the state by 15% by 2025. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.
1: More than 100 child care centers in the county have reported lead levels above state safety standards in drinking water. Health reporter Matt Hoffman says there's no safe level of lead for children. California law requires child care
2: centers built before 2010 to test their faucets and drinking fountains for lead and report those findings to the state. If levels are above standards, they have to be fixed. Some of that data has been released, and while most centers are in compliance, about a fourth across the state were not.
3: We're really concerned about the lead levels found in child care centers.
2: Susan Little is a senior advocate from the Environmental Working Group. The nonprofit sponsored the testing law and was the first to get the testing data.
3: What's alarming here is that we really see this as potentially the tip of the iceberg because um, the data we received represents only about 50% of licensed child care centers. We're still waiting to get the results from the rest of them. And also there are many centers that haven't yet tested. Parents should be especially diligent that, and and be concerned that the water their children are drinking when in care, possibly all day long, could have unhealthy levels of lead.
2: The CDC says there's no safe level of lead. One San Diego childcare center has the highest testing result in California so far. La Petite Academy near Rancho Penasquitos had one test from last August, registering 11,000 lead parts per billion. The state requirement is five parts per billion or less. In a statement, a spokesperson for La Petite Academy says the source with the highest lead samples were drinking fountains that had not been used since before the pandemic, adding that the fountains were immediately removed and other water sources repaired. After retesting, they say all water sources are in compliance.
4: No one wants a child to have lead. It leads to all these downstream effects.
2: Dr. V. Nguyen is a San Diego-based pediatrician. She's also chair of the American Academy of Pediatrics California Committee on Environmental Health. She says children are generally at higher health risks from lead exposure.
4: Probably the most common thing is neurodevelopmental issues because lead is a neurotoxin. It deposits in the brain, uh, teeth, bones, liver. And so it's accumulative through your life, but you're particularly susceptible for when you're young. It's toxic to brain cells, Um, and it can increase the risk of uh, ADHD, autism, because it just shifts the IQ curve.
2: Nguyen says children are tested for lead exposure as early as one year old.
4: Babies and children, they're, they're not fully developed yet, so their organs are still growing, absorbing, so they tend to absorb more of the environmental toxins per body surface area than adults.
2: La Petite Academy officials say they have no reports of anyone getting sick. The second-highest lead reading from drinking water at a child care center in San Diego County was from the Eastlake Community Church Preschool located in Chula Vista. A test from last October revealed 570 lead parts per billion, well above the state's five-part-per-billion baseline. The director of the preschool says in a statement two bathroom sinks had elevated levels, and those sinks were solely used for handwashing. The statement says hardware has been replaced, and the sinks are restricted from use while the center awaits results from retesting. The third highest result in San Diego County was from the Next Generation Educational Center in El Cajon. One test from this January found 340 lead parts per billion. KPBS reached out to the center for comment, but they did not send a response before deadline. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News.
1: Nearly 300,000 county residents could get financial help to pay for groceries, but don't. Reporter Katie Heisen has more.
5: The largest number of people eligible for CalFresh food assistance who are not enrolled live in majority Latino communities, including College Grove and City Heights in San Diego and the city of Chula Vista. Some incorrectly believe enrolling will affect their citizenship application. And though the county has begun acting on recommendations to make the application process easier, advocates say it's still too difficult. But Hunger Coalition CEO Anahid Braki says the struggle pays off. A family of four can receive more than $900 per month. While the
6: program can be difficult and complicated to enroll in, the time is worth it for the amount. $926 is equivalent to about 30 trips to a food bank.
5: For help enrolling, call 211. Katie Heisen, KPBS News.
1: More San Diegans could be facing food insecurity if the U.S. defaults on its debt. Reporter Jacob Ayer tells us why.
2: The San Diego Food Bank receives 20 to 30 percent of their supply from federally funded programs. The organization's Vanessa Ruiz says this has happened before, even recently in 2018 and 2019, and it impacted San Diegans.
6: We were serving additional folks who never came to our food distribution, such as the Coast Guard. We had other military branches that were coming to our our doors asking for food assistance.
2: Ruiz says the political stalemate on the debt ceiling could lead to cuts in their food quantity and increase the number of people they need to serve. Time is running out. The $31.4 trillion ceiling has already been reached. If Congress fails to act, the government could default as early as June 1st. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News.
1: After complaints from neighbors, the city of Oceanside is reviewing its relationship with Brother Beno's foundation. The organization provides meals, food and supportive services to the community. But nearby businesses say it is bringing harm to the area. North County reporter Tanya Thorne has the details.
5: Oceanside's Planning Commission is reviewing the Brother Benos Foundation's conditional use permit. The permit lets the foundation operate in the business park on Production Avenue, as long as its operations aren't detrimental to the public or nearby properties. But business owners in the area, like Bryce Aberg, say the business park has become dangerous.
1: Fights, altercations, uh, defecating on our businesses, you know, on our front doorsteps,
2: and it goes on and on. The problems have gotten much worse.
5: Complaints against Brother Beno's forced the organization to make some changes earlier this year. It's closing earlier and hired additional security and sanitation staff. Michael Moskowitz is a Brother Benno's board member.
0: We are not enabling the homeless community. We are supporting the homeless community so that they can survive.
5: Planning commissioners recommended some changes, including monthly meetings with stakeholders, 24-hour security from a third party, and additional sanitation support. A decision on Brother Beno's permit will be made at a later meeting. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. Coming
1: up, our arts reporter joins me to clear up the confusion of what is, and will always be, the real Star Wars Day. We'll hear that and more just after the break.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by... The San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community, and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota. Let's go places.
1: It should come as no surprise that America's finest city is home to some of the country's best parks. The nonprofit Trust for Public Land. Ranked the park systems in the 100 largest U.S. cities and reporter Melissa May tells us San Diego came in at number 24.
3: San Diego climbed five spots in this year's Park Score Index ranking due to improved park investment. 19% of the city of San Diego is dedicated park space, one of the best marks in the country. Will Klein is with Trust for Public Land. He says currently 81% of San Diegans are within a 10-minute walk of a park, which is higher than the national average of 75%. This year, the Park Score Index included data about two key health factors physical activity, and mental health.
2: What we found was uh, the cities with the highest park score rankings, those in the top 25 looked San Diego, uh, were healthier places to live. Uh, in those top 25 cities, people were on average 9% less likely to suffer from poor mental health and 21% less likely to be physically inactive.
3: Washington, D.C. retained the National Park Score Index title with an 84.9
5: out of 100. Melissa May, KPBS News.
1: San Diego International Fringe is heading into its final weekend. This year, there's only one bring-your-own-venue, and it's at Les Girls Theatre. Arts reporter Beth Hacomando has a profile of theatre owner and fringe artist Kata Pierce-Morgan.
3: Whenever I mention Lay Girls Theatre, I'm always surprised by how many people react with either moral outrage
6: or snickering comments. Thanks to our efforts and not letting ourselves feel embarrassed or demeaned by the titters, we kept pursuing our mission, which was to speak out about what we think is societal injustice. That's Kata Pierce Morgan,
3: the owner of Lay Girls Theatre, and she's here to shatter stereotypes. For one, she's proud of the fact that she and her late husband James Morgan actively fought against police
6: corruption, abuses of power, and censorship from the platform of a strip club. That was a time of Hare and Calcutta, and they were big deals up to the Supreme Court. We also had to go to court, and like Hare and Calcutta, we won. The judge actually came and saw the show and he said, well, you know, it may not be what I consider this or that, but it's legal. The show was Let It All
3: Hang Out, and Morgan wrote the play for the opening of Lay Girls Theater in 1970 in order to challenge restrictions on nudity.
6: He came out to the audience and said, we're going to get raided, but if you want to be part of living theater history, stay where you are. And that's how it began. And Pierce Morgan has continued that
3: fight and combined it with her artistic passions. So once again, she's created a new play for the BYOV or Bring Your Own Venue at Fringe.
6: Well, what's so exciting about our venue is it's historic. It's at the legendary Lay Girls Theater. And what I like about our show, Censored Heart, or any of the programs that we do through Golden Corpse Productions, is we are not silent bystanders. But Pierce Morgan felt like a
3: silent bystander when she was 23 back in 1970.
6: I came from UCLA, applied to dance for one month, and like any dancer in those days, I was hauled off to jail. No charges were pressed, but it was a very interesting experience for someone who was raised Catholic, and that was the beginning of her
3: relationship with Lay Girls and James Morgan. Now she's transformed Lay Girls from being just a venue for adult entertainment to being a place for adventuresome theater goers.
6: I'm mixing these audiences, and what was present at that time was the, the high hill footprint, the stripper energy, all that past. You could hear them clunk, 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 walking across the stage. And for me, this is now the residents for Golden Corpse Theater and yet we also have an adult show for five hours a day, only five days a week, that's 25 hours. Now
3: the strippers have to contend with a six-foot torture pillar prop from Censored Heart tucked away on stage just a few feet from the dance pole.
6: And on it were these rats, these amputated hands, these worms all dangling from this torture pillar which is relevant to our asylum act And they're up there dancing and looking over and going, holy moly, is that a rat? (laughs) Okay, in the interest of full disclosure, I gave
3: Pierce Morgan that torture pillar. It was from my Hellraiser haunt, and she needed something to symbolize a repressive
6: society. I really wanted to portray what was happening to the beatniks and in their incarceration, in their repression by a society that was judging them. Beatniks, asylums, torture pillars, societal repression? Pierce Morgan smiles and says censored heart is complicated. I mean, it's such a fantastical show. If you like jazz, you'll like this show. If you like poetry, you'll love it. If you like murder and mystery, you'll love it.
3: That's exactly
6: the kind of show Fringe embraces, and Pierce Morgan returns the love. This is from the intro to act four of the show. It's a hung jury with resigned cynicism. Fringe artists still find beauty in maggots as they wiggle motifs of line and shade through society's dirt and decay. Where there is art, there is hope. That's Fringe for you.
3: That's also the new energy Pierce Morgan is bringing to the legendary Les Girls Theater this weekend for San Diego Fringe. Beth Accomando, KPBS News.
1: Censored Heart has two more performances at Les Girls Theater tomorrow and Saturday as part of the San Diego International Fringe. Today is May 25th, and some old-school Star Wars fans are celebrating a very significant anniversary. So you're probably thinking, wasn't May the 4th Star Wars Day? Well, arts reporter Beth Alcamando is back to clear up the confusion between these two dates in the month of May. Welcome, Beth. Thank you. Beth, tell us about May 25th and why it differs from May 4th. <laughs>
3: Uh, well, because I'm old, I remember the day that Star Wars actually opened. So for me, May the 4th is a fun pun. And it's like great for getting everybody together to celebrate Star Wars, which I will omit no opportunity to celebrate. But it really annoys me when I see posts that say on May the 4th. On this day in 1977, our lives were changed when Star Wars came out, because that's (laughs) not the day it came out. It came out on May 25th. So for me, Star Wars Day is always kind of May 25th.
1: And Beth, you got to go when it first opened in San Diego. Describe the experience.
3: Sure. I don't think I went opening day, but I went early in the run. And it was just fun because it was something that nobody anticipated Being big, and it appealed to a lot of like the nerdy kids that were into science fiction and movies. And so we felt we had this, like, community (laughs) where we could go and see this film. And some of us had memorized lines or some of us were, you know, coming in costume. And so it wasn't just a movie that we enjoyed. It felt like there was this community kind of coming up. And I don't think I'm alone in celebrating May 25th. I have a lot of friends who were there actually on opening day. And I had a chance to talk to them about their memories of going on opening day down at the Valley Circle.
2: I'm Kevin Ring. I was 13 years old when I saw Star Wars for the first time at the Valley Circle Theater on opening day, May 25th, 1977. We'd never seen a line for a movie, let alone one that wrapped all the way around the building.
1: I love all things Star Wars. My husband, my sons, uh, we're all into Star Wars. The movies, toys, collectibles, comics, and we love playing Star Wars trivia games. So, Beth, I thought I would ask you a Star Wars question to test your Star Wars knowledge. And I'm going to give you about 12 seconds to answer how many planets in the Star Wars universe can you name, starting oh my. now?
3: God, well, Tatooine is my favorite because it's got a wretched hive of scum and villainy. And then there's Alderaan, but we don't have it anymore. Uh, Naboo, I think, Coruscant. I can't always remember the names. I failed miserably at a con- at a WonderCon tournament for this where we had to know Star Wars trivia. And it included the expanded universe, which I know nothing about. <laughs> well, I would
1: have just named probably Hoth and Tatooine.
3: Oh, I forgot Hawk. Huh? Yes. I mean, I, I love have, the Ice Planet. I love the Ice Planet. I have an ad ad in my backyard, which is an ice chest shaped like an ad ad, along with a Death Star fire pit, just so you know.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, we're going to probably watch tonight. We recently went to the movies and we saw Return of the Jedi in theaters. So tonight we will watch A uh, New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back. And instead of just making some popcorn, I was hoping you would share with us some of your recipes for Star Wars-themed food and drink.
3: Oh, sure. So Star Wars actually has put out a number of very good cookbooks that are a lot of fun. But since it's radio, we want to do this kind of quick and easy. So the easiest thing you can make to celebrate Star Wars is Bantha milk. So this is the blue milk that Aunt Beru serves Luke in Star Wars. And if you want to do it for the kiddies and do it super easy, just add a little bit of blue food coloring to the milk. But for adults, you might want to add blue curacao, which you know gives it a little fruity kind of and alcohol flavor to it. Or you can make my favorite, which is the Hoth Bantha milk hot chocolate, which is it's milk. And then you add some white chocolate and melt that in. Add any kind of like your favorite alcohol. You can add the blue curacao to that, but you froth it all up and it's blue and you can add some marshmallows to it as well. And if you're really into it you can take one big marshmallow and draw a stormtrooper face on it and drop it into the hot milk and let him kind of melt
1: oh that's genius and beth if our listeners want more recipes or they want to maybe see the items from your star wars collection because you have one i know you've told me about it <laughs> how can we do that
3: Sure, I'm a failed 501st applicant, so that's one of the things. But you can go to Cinema Junkie. That's my blog on KPBS, and it's kpbs.org slash cinema junkie. So I'll post some photos of some of the food I've made that are Star Wars themed, and I'll post some of my uh, collection that I have. But you can also find pictures of the Millennium Flankin and the Pit of Sarlacc Bunt Cake. So those are fun and easy, and I'll post some videos and recipes for you to uh, take.
1: I've been speaking to arts reporter Beth Haccomando. Thank you, Beth, for being on the podcast today. And of course, I can't resist. Beth, (laughs) may the force be with you.
3: And with you too. Being Catholic, it's the only proper response.
1: (laughs) That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. Join us again tomorrow for your daily local news and to hear about the go-to arts events over the holiday weekend. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening, and have a great Thursday.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota. Let's go places.